Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Let me review the last couple of weeks, um, because today is, is a little bit different, and, um, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But the first week, I told you that much of life is just routine and rhythm. It's okay if that's your life, um, but, but what happens is, is life becomes very mundane, even boring at times. And, and even the moments that, that we do have peaks of excitement, it's not, not always good excitement. Sometimes it's the stuff that we don't want. It, life is very extraordinary rather than extraordinary. And we looked at the life of a very ordinary person that first week in the Bible named Isaac. He's the son of Abraham, who was a great man of faith and the father of Jacob, whose life had a dramatic turnaround. And Isaac's life was sandwiched between these two patriarchs of the faith. So that first week, we looked at two thoughts about ordinary people. The first one is this, God uses ordinary people to serve extraordinary people. And then the second point was God uses ordinary people to influence extraordinary people. And we brought that right out of the life of Isaac. So Isaac's life may have not have been the most exciting, but God used him to serve and influence extraordinary people. And parents, I, I will continue to remind you of this. Always, always remember God uses you to serve and especially influence extraordinary people. And sometimes it's those kids that, that he has blessed your life with. Last week was our annual support staff appreciation day. And I want to thank you, church, for blessing my staff, my support staff. Without them, we could not do what we do. And, and um, I tried to tie in that sermon with this series. And I explained to you that they, along with me, our, our staff, we're very ordinary and we're very average. None of us are Bible scholars. None of us are elaborate writers. We don't write, you know, good worship songs. Um, we're just pretty mundane people. But when God puts the extraordinary people together with other extraordinary people, he allows us to accomplish the extraordinary. Last week I called it, it's the march of the mundane. And that's what we are as a church staff. And sometimes that's what we are even as a church. We're just the march of the mundane, but the march of the mundane can gain ground. We can do tremendous and extraordinary things. I read to you some very mundane verses out of the Bible where Jesus chose 12 average men to pour into and to prepare for the birth of the church. And I told you, we are useless by ourselves, but we are extraordinary within the body of Christ. I think some people just assume that me being a pastor's son, that I was groomed to be a pastor and that I probably never had another job. There's some of you sitting here today that probably think, well, right out of school, he went into ministry. And I, I want you to know that's simply not the case. That's not what happened. You must remember that growing up in a pastor's home, I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly of ministry, and I didn't want anything to do with it. I, I was a Christian, and I was serving in the local church, but I did not want to be in ministry as far as a career in ministry. And so it was not on my radar. And so just to inform some of you, I've, I've had numerous jobs in my lifetime. As a teenager, I worked as a DJ at a skating ring. I did, that's probably where my love of music comes from. I, I was a DJ at a skating ring. I was a great DJ. I also worked in an ice cream shop, Bressler's Ice Cream and Yogurt in Perry, Florida. Didn't last long, but ice cream shops shouldn't last long in Perry, Florida. Um, <clears throat> right out of high school, I worked at a grocery store. 
I started bagging groceries. I started stocking shelves. And eventually I worked my way into a frozen food and dairy manager position. And I also worked in lawn maintenance. So I know there's a lot of people in our church that, that either you work for or you're in lawn maintenance business or have been at some point in time. And I've been there. I've done it. Um, I mean, our, our company that I work for, we even mowed yards a few times in a nudist colony. True story. <laughs> and you would think that for a teenage boy that that would be an awesome job. Not when you realize that all the residents are 55 and older. <laughs> well, that's a story for another day. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. I'm getting closer to that 55 mark, so I can't joke around too much. I don't need your amens. Um, <laughs> later as an adult, I worked at a collision parts distributor, and, uh, and then I had a short little stint as a copier repairman. Um, then I went back to the collision parts industry and worked there. And then Mandy and I, a lot of people don't know this, we owned our own Christian bookstore, and that's where the, the door opened for me to pursue ministry uh, full-time. Eventually, I, I was able to sell that store, walk away, and, and pursue ministry. You see, I've worked for the man, corporate America. I have. I've worked for the man, and, and I've also worked for the man, the man upstairs. And, um, and, and whether working a secular job or a spiritual job, I have realized that in order for you to become all that God wants you to be, you must operate with a common sense. In order for you to become all that God wants you to be, you must learn to operate with a common sense. A good old dose of common sense will take you a long way on the job. Vocational ignorance and stupidity plague our society. Uh, listen, this, that's not where I'm heading. So don't amen me right there. Let's don't, let's don't go there because I know that when you leave church today, Somewhere along the way, you may encounter someone with no vocational common sense. And all I ask, be gracious. Just remember, God's still working on them. He's not finished, just as he's still working on me and working on you. Amen? But honestly, the standard definition of common sense is not what I'm talking about today. When I say common sense, it's not what you're thinking. I'm talking about a spiritual common sense. About being okay with the common with the ordinary, with the average, being content with where he has you. Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter four and verse 12. He says, I know what it is like to be in need and I know what it is, it is to have plenty. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In other words, Paul said, no matter what season of life I'm in, when it's good and when it's bad and when it's boring and mundane, he says, I've learned to be content in those situations. And I, I don't want to mislead you because I am a person of vision. I love vision. I love casting vision. And just because we're stuck in the ordinary sometimes in life doesn't mean that we can't dream, that we can't you know, envision our lives being something more and beyond. But you still have to learn to be content during those seasons of being extraordinary. During those times when life is mundane, you have to be okay with that season of life that you're walking through. Spiritual common sense says that I will continue to do the ordinary until God opens the door to the extraordinary. That I'm okay living in the ordinary common everyday life because I know that the extraordinary is right around the corner and all that the king has to do is just say one, one word to me and my entire life can change at that moment. It can go from ordinary to extraordinary just with one word. And so I'm gonna preach to you a message and, and some verses today 
that I have never preached in my life. The first part, I've preached it probably a hundred times. But when we get to the second part of this, I'm telling you, I have never preached a sermon on these particular verses ever in my life. So this is the first, and you're the guinea pig, second service. We'll work at all the kinks today, and they'll get the polish, okay? Exodus chapter 1, I'm going to start reading at verse 8. These are familiar verses. I've preached this before, so let's just read it. You'll catch up. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh, store cities, Python, and Ramesses. But the more that they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. You see, the Hebrews were forced to learn trades that would not necessarily benefit their lives, but it would benefit the lives of the Egyptians, the ones that had them enslaved. They became skilled carpenters and stonemasons. They would use their skills to build cities and monuments dedicated to the pharaohs of the Egyptians. For over 400 years, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. According to Greek historian Herodotus, it took approximately 20 years just to build the Great Pyramid alone. You see, the Hebrews would use their acquired skills to build the cities of uh, Python and Ramesses. This was not the life that they would have chosen if given the choice, but for this generation of Jews, this was all that they knew. You see, most, if not all of them, they were born into slavery. And when you're born into slavery, that becomes your average ordinary life. If you were to take me or to take you right now and put us into slavery because we're used to our freedoms, that's not average, that's not ordinary. But for these Hebrews that were born into slavery, this is their average life. This is what they are used to. This is what they wake up to every day. Hypothetically speaking, just hypothetically speaking, what I'm about to share with you is not in God's word, but let's just say this. Let's just say that one of the Hebrew slaves, let's say his name is Bezalel. Everybody just say Bezalel. Bezalel. I mean, that's a good Hebrew name. Can't we just use that one? Is that good? Yes? No? You want me to preach this to the second service and just dismiss and get y'all out of here? All right, Bezalel, let's just, let's, hypothetically speaking, let's just say that each morning, Bezalel would wake up and report to his slave master and to his assigned job. Every day, he would wake up, he would pack his lunch, he would gather his tools, and then he would go off to work where he would build something for someone else. In return, they would supply a place for him to sleep. If he has a family, a place for them to sleep and some food. It may not be the, the best food. It's not the Pharaoh's choice food, but nevertheless, it is still food. The next morning, Bezalel would wake up and he would do it all over again. Pack his lunch. He would report to his slave master. He would report back to his task, his job. He would work and he would build a monument or build a city for someone else. Then he would come back home to the roof that's over his head and the food that he's able to put into his belly. 
this life becomes ordinary for him. But you see, when you were born into slavery and you're raised in that atmosphere and this life becomes normal and mundane, it becomes the reality of your world. Now, in no way am I going to cheapen what happened to the Israelites, to the Hebrews. But here's what I know is that some of us, we become captive to the mundane life that surrounds us. We go through the motions every day of our extraordinary life. And as we walk through that common life, as, as we go through the motions of it, we feel like we are in captivity. It doesn't matter if your life is behind a desk or if your life is just ordinary building a pyramid. God is still able to do something extraordinary in and through your life. You've just got to be willing to, to stick it out. You've got to be willing to operate in God's time and not your time. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. You see, church, we often get so caught up in the normal of our hardships that we forget that even when no one else is watching our extraordinary life, when no one else is watching our mundane and boring life, God still is. God's eye is still on your life, no matter how boring, common, mundane, and ordinary your life is, God is still interested in it. You have a favorite TV show? You know how you look forward to the premiere of that, that favorite TV show? Listen, last Sunday night, I was on Facebook, I saw it. There are millions of Walking Dead fans all over this planet, and a lot of you are Walking Dead fans, and all I'm gonna do is just say shame on you. You shouldn't be watching that show. But I watched it just to check it out, and um, <laughs> I do not recommend that show for anybody. But you know that feeling that you get? When the premiere of your favorite show is, is, is about to air, you, you, know, you know what happens? I mean, we were all giddy last Sunday night, you know, just waiting on our show, you know, that's what happens. It's the same feeling that I think God gets looking at our boring and mundane lives. That every day, God doesn't sleep or slumber, so he doesn't necessarily wake up, but every day when we wake up, God looks at our lives and it's like he's about to watch the premiere of his favorite show. He's looking and he's thinking to himself, man, what is going to happen right here today? Well, let me just decide what's going to happen. And he's even excited about the normal mundane things that you have to go through because he's orchestrating a plan. You don't get it. You don't understand it. You don't see why it's all coming about the way that it is. But eventually, at some point in time, the premiere is going to take place. And, and, and I just think that sometimes God just gets a little giddy like I do when my favorite show is about to come on, when he looks at my boring life. You can't see it now, but just wait. You'll discover that the mundane, ordinary task of your life are preparing you for God's glory to shine through you. C.S. Lewis once said, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. That hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Church, let me tell you this today. Don't despise your occupational woes and your career hardships. Because let's be honest, many people in this room, if you're not experiencing it right now, you have or you will, you will go to work and go through the motions sometimes and you will think to yourself, why am I here? And I'm telling you, don't despise your occupational woes and your career hardships. They just might be the very things that God uses to prepare you for the extraordinary work that he wants to do through you. 
but you've got to be willing to go through it. And so we all know the story of, of what happens here in Exodus. One day God sends a closet Hebrew by the name of Moses, eventually comes out of the closet and becomes a Hebrew. And through a series of frustrating events, Moses convinces Pharaoh the famous words of Charlton Heston, let my people go, you know? And, and, and we don't have time to get into all the details and all the plagues and all that, but, but, but that's exactly what happens. Eventually, through a series of events, he convinces Pharaoh to let God's people go. And they begin their journey to the promised land, and Pharaoh then changes his mind, and he comes after them with his army. They get to the Red Sea, and all seems lost, but God allows them, the Hebrews, the Israelites, to walk through on dry ground, and Pharaoh and his men, when they enter the sea, God causes the sea to collapse and to drown them, and so he saves the Hebrews from the hands of Pharaoh. So now, if your name is Bezalel, hypothetically speaking, now you're an unemployed bricklayer that's wandering through the wilderness. That's your life. And because you are a portable community, there's no brick and mortar. Your skills are really going to waste. Others are constantly grumbling against the leader, against Moses and, and, and his regime, and, and some want to go back to Egypt. They said we actually had it better in Egypt. At least there, you know, we had a roof over our head and we had food for our stomachs, so let's go back there. And, and so just, just hypothetically speaking, I really don't want any emails this week that say, man, you added to God's word. I'm just saying hypothetically, okay? Just imagine Bezalel sitting there one day trying to figure out his life. He just kicked back and, and he's worked his whole life for the man and he doesn't have much to show for it. He's gone through all the motions, but there's no 401k plan. There's no summer home. He doesn't even have a nice chariot. He's walking like the rest of the Israelites. Worked his whole life to get to this moment. Developing skills as a carpenter and a mason that seem to be going to waste at this moment. And God leads you into a desert with a bunch of tent dwellers. It would be so easy to get caught up in your mundane, average, ordinary life that you forget that in one life-changing moment, God can call your number and everything changes. I remember sitting on the bench in basketball my, my first year, my freshman year of playing basketball on the JV team in Taylor County. I didn't get a lot of playing time. I know for those guys in the room that play basketball with me, that's hard for you to believe. But in ninth grade, it was in ninth grade, I was learning the game. And so I'm sitting on the bench and I remember us jumping up on a team. Matter of fact, that team was Bell, and um, we jumped out there on Bell, and we, we were beating them really bad. I mean, it was like 80-something to 17. I mean, it, it was horrible. We ended up hitting triple digits on that team. If you're from Bell, I, don't, I, I want to apologize, but I can't. It was bad. It was ugly. But I remember sitting there on that bench. The, the, the game is just out of hand. I remember the, the coach looking at me and, and calling my name. I remember him saying, McKinley. Now I was, I was in the game. I remember that feeling, man. Because life gets mundane when you're sitting on the bench and, you, and you're not seeing any of the action on the court. You see, that's what happens in the, in, the, in the Christian realm of our lives too. 
It's exactly what happens. We see other people being promoted in the kingdom of God. We see other people getting the glory. We see other people that it seems like God's favor is on them and we wonder, when am I ever going to get in the game? When am I ever going to get notice? And all it takes is that one moment, that one moment when God says, McKinley, in the game, let's go. All it takes is that one moment and all of a sudden, Bezalel hears a messenger say to him, Bezalel, son of Uri? Yeah, yeah, that's me. What do you need? Well, Moses would like to talk with you. You're talking about Moses, the leader of the free world, Moses? Yeah, that Moses, our leader, wants to talk with you. He has a job for you. So I turn over to Exodus chapter 31, and just so happens there's this guy by the name of Bezalel. Imagine that. Chapter 31 and verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, and the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand with all of its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their services as priests." and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they should do. And in that moment, church, right there, you may not get it, you may not see the excitement right there on those pages, but in that one moment, this guy by the name of Bezalel, his life changes like that. Just, just instantly his life changes because now he is about to build some of the most sacred things that humanity could ever build because the architect behind the designs and, and man, God gave him such detailed, gave Moses the details of, of how the tabernacle would be built and, and, and how each piece that would set in there, how everything would be designed. And, and because God is the architect of this, now he's answering the call to be the general contractor on something that has the potential to change this nation because they are becoming a nation. God is, is becoming their God. And, and, and so he will build things like the tent of meeting, which is their portable sanctuary. It's detailed, man. It was made, the skins on the outside of this, it, it was made from an animal that they compare to like a manatee. And I know some of you, you know, animal activists in the room are gonna get upset, but man, this was elaborate stuff. It was amazing. He would build the Ark of the Testimony or what we 
call the Ark of the Covenant, which we know that the two stone tablets of the law, which contain the Ten Commandments, they would be put in there. Aaron's rod would be put in there. A jar of manna, you know, the frosted flakes that fell from heaven, that would be put inside of this thing that Bezalel would have to build. The mercy seat, which is on top of the Ark of the Covenant, which represented where the presence of God would settle when the high priest would come in. And, and the lampstand, which was the only source of light in the holy place. He would get to build the altar of incense, which was a place of worship, letting the sweet aroma float up into the heavens and fill the throne room of God. He would get to build the altar of burnt offering, which was a place of atonement where people's sins would be forgiven for offering the right animal sacrifices and everything else, every utensil that would be used in that building, in that portable building, he would have the opportunity to build. Bezalel goes from being a nobody to a somebody overnight. He goes from being a peasant in the kingdom to someone who is sitting next to the king. Someone who's building the throne for the king. And that moment, this guy's life changes. Before this, he was just a carpenter. He was just a stonemason. Now he's the general contractor of the central dwelling place of the Most High. His work was so important that thousands of years later, Indiana Jones would search for the Ark of the Covenant that he created. That's pretty important. So you're asking, what does this have to do with my life? Pastor, what does this have to do with me? Here's what I know. At some point in your ordinary, mundane, boring life, God is going to call your number. And he's going to allow you to do the extraordinary. And the only way that you get to do that is being faithful over the small things. Jesus shared the parable with us, the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. To where if you're faithful over the small things, the master makes you ruler over many. If you do a lot with a little, you get to do a lot with a lot. If you're faithful over the few things that you are right now directly responsible for, then God says, I can count you faithful and eventually I'm going to make you ruler over these things. Your life may be boring and mundane right now. You might be an out-of-work carpenter. But if you'll hold on and you'll remain faithful eventually, you're going to help usher in the presence of God. You're going to report to your average job one day, working for your average boss, getting paid your average paycheck, when all of a sudden God says, I want to do something that is extraordinary. And listen, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not even talking about money right now. I'm talking about something that lasts, something that is meaningful. The Spirit of God is going to empower you to stand out from all the other ordinary workers. And that, in that moment, he will allow you to do something that you never thought was possible. But you've got to be faithful over the small things first. If you're a coach, coach every player like they are the next Christian athlete and role model. If you're a parent, raise that child like they're the next Billy Graham. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about having the responsibility of raising the next Billy Graham? That makes me just tremble with fear. If you're an accountant, 
Manage someone's finances like they're God's finances because God may ask you one day to manage his resources. And if you're a carpenter, build everything to the glory of God because you might just get to build the place where the presence of God rests. I remember working for the man. I remember being in that grocery store and lining up all of the labels on all of those, those, those cans of, of the canned goods. I remember lining them all up perfectly. I wanted my aisle to look the best out of everybody else. And one day the manager called my number and said, you do such a great job, I want you to manage our frozen food and dairy section. Now that's, that's not a big deal to some of you in the room. There's others in the room that right now, they're stocking shelves in a grocery store. They need to hear that. I remember getting out of my comfort zone and cold calling body shops just to sell a hood or a fender. It's one of the most uncomfortable things to do if you have to make a cold call. But I remember doing it. And I remember that first month when I led in sales, being faithful over the small things. And I also remember the day that right after we were married that my boss looked at me and said, we're going to build a warehouse for you in Jacksonville. And at 19 years old, I was the youngest manager in the company. I'm not saying this to brag on me. I'm saying whenever you're faithful over the small things, God makes you a ruler over many. And it may take years of lining up Del Monte labels on a, on a grocery store shelf. But somebody's watching, even when you don't think they are. Somebody's watching. Even when humanity is not watching, God is still watching. We've got to learn to look at the mundane, the simple things of life and to treat them with the respect that God expects us to. To do all things to the glory of God. Whether it's working fast food, or raising a child, or being a greeter at your local church setting out chairs. This morning I watched as people just, they, they did it right. They made sure they were lined up on the lines, partially because the pastor's OCD, but partially because they want to make sure they do a good job for the Lord. If you do a lot with a little, you get to do a lot with a lot. That's a principle that will never change in the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.